Hey, everyone. How's everybody doing? Tired. <laughs> You're exhausted. You moved. Yes, I moved to my new apartment. I'm back in West Virginia for school. Classes start Wednesday. We've wow. been apartment shopping for a good half of the day. So now I get to talk to you guys about Penny Dreadful. So like you say apartment shopping, like stuff for the house, for the new place. Basically, yeah. yeah. Like decorations, kitchen stuff, what have you, you know. And you're in a brand new place, right? Brand new place, yeah. Uh, should we give a shout out to the roommates? First name only? Can we say that? Can we just order? Uh, should we just say roommates? Uh, I don't know. Let's just say roommates. Hey, I roommates. <laughs> I don't want to breach your privacy, but I'm so happy for all you guys. It's so awesome. Ian, what'd you do today? You had a big day, kind of. I went to Home Depot and bought some LED lights. For my new garage door openers. He's so excited about his new garage door openers, everyone. And then returned some some uh, plastic tubing. I should talk about what my partner and co-producer and love of my life has been doing for the past several days. He has been single-handedly out in the garage. It's 91 degrees out there, by the way. Oof. And he is... The new garage door openers have... Uh, Temperature gauge to tell us how fucking hot it was. It just for me, just hot as balls, right? So he's out there and he's like taking all the stuff out of the rafters, old ass shit from like a, the way back machine from your parents hoarding of forty five fucking years, or whatever it's been. And he's been like douching at the garage. So he finally got a bunch of stuff out of there. You made a big pile for the uh, got junk people. By the way, please sponsored by got junk. Just. Please sponsor us. Uh, and they came by and they like got rid of our stuff in like 20 seconds. It costs us a fair decent amount of money. But when you try to get rid of stuff in our fair city, they tend to charge you out the butthole. Mm, like yeah. if we were in like a redneck all-American city, I feel like we could have gotten that stuff disappeared for $50. But really? oh no. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We get overcharged then, huh? You could have given somebody a case of beer and they would have made that stuff go away. <laughs> it would have ended up at the bottom of the lake. But, you know. Anyway, so I'm very proud of you. You've worked very... Yesterday he came in for the past several days, and he's been covered with sweat from head to toe. You work so hard. Getting that garage clean. I love you so much. You work very hard. Um, Cool. And Andre's getting his education. He's going to be a mighty composer. Oh, by the way, have you guys checked out Andre Magalhaes, his, uh YouTube? Guys, he put up this Marvel thing. All of his stuff is amazing, but this latest thing that he put up on his YouTube channel made me pee. It was <laughs> so incredible because yeah, he's got it was us pretty cool. He's got us hooked up on the Marvel crack, but and I guess I appreciated it even more because he does all of the theme songs on the viola, and he does them and they're overlapping, and it's a whole thing. I'm not a musician; I don't like technology works. So it's all magical fairies to me. <laughs> Jesus H, guys, seriously, go to Andre's YouTube channel. And his last name is spelled M-A-G-A, MAGA, L-H-A-E-S. That's right. <laughs> please go there. Andre Magalhaes. So please go listen to it. Like, it'll blow you fucking away. He's so talented. Well, thank you. I worked really hard on it. It was, there was a lot of logistical things that had to be worked out. But... And lo- you know what I loved about it, too? Not only just are you just bomb talented and it was just so entertaining, I loved how it was stylized, and I loved, like, your expressions. I'm getting to know yes. you. I'm just getting to know you, um, and mm-hmm. I don't know you very well. But I'm like, I just love these these really delightful expressions on your face. <laughs> that makes it even more, like, fun to watch. So, 
Well, thank you. Well, yeah, if you guys want to check it out, the title is Marvel Strings Medley, not Melody, Medley. And you can find it. It's awesome. Please go. It's fucking fantastic. Let me tell you what I did today. I did a lot of research on donkeys um, who work as a beast of burden in Cairo and other areas. And um, suffice it to say, I cried so hard I had to, like, take a break. Um, If you ever want to give to a charity, if you ever have any money, ever win the lottery... Please go look up equine um, um, charities in the Middle East. I'm not shitting on your culture. I love you guys. You're the bedrock of civilization. But the donkey has a special place in my heart and always has, and this is why. And it plays a big, huge part of the book that I'm writing. So today I kind of had like a thing in the afternoon where I had to take a break. And I was, I was sitting here kind of like trying to calm myself down. I was reminded that we were about to do this podcast about someone who was long-suffering. And it made me even more sad. <laughs> so, yes, I am segueing from Beast of Burdens, uh, burden horses, donkeys, and the like, into Vanessa Ives and her long struggle and destiny on Penny Dreadful. That's what you came here to listen to uh, and about. But that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. Why are we talking about it at this point is the question. How can we answer that question, Andre? Why are we talking about Penny Dreadful in 2018 when the series wrapped up, what, two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. Why? Um, I mean, it's just a really great fucking show. <laughs> um, I've watched it like... I've rewatched it like four times now. I, this last rewatch was in preparation for this for this podcast, and it's not a lot. There's like eight nine episodes a season, so it's not a lot. I want to know what Ian thought because I know he was skeptical at first. And it was a little <laughs> hard to get through. You're in the hot seat. <laughs> no, it is an amazing show, and I I need to do another rewatch. It's, what do you um, What do you think? Like made you have those weird vibes about it in the beginning. Do you See, have any idea? I don't. I don't know what it is. I, I I've tried to think about it. It's not like it was a bad. It, I wasn't bored, and mm-hmm. I, it wasn't like you used the word tedious though. I used it tedious, but it I it not in not in a the the way I usually use tedious. I couldn't think of another word. I don't know why I, it had I had a hard time getting through that first season because it wasn't. I wasn't bored at any point in it. And then once the second season started and then I got through that and then I finished the 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 third season, it made the first season just like I loved it so much. It it made mm-hmm. it was it was kind of like you know you're doing I felt like I was doing the groundwork or doing hard work, you know, digging in the soil. And then by the time I got to the third season, the plant grew and I appreciated everything I had to go through in the first season. But yeah, and then the plant got cut down in a beautiful, horrible, violent way. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> but, but it, the first season wasn't tedious in a way that I was, it wasn't like, you know, I'm running through quicksand. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like a show where you're like, Oh my God, can we just, you know, move it along? Well, you would pop it in when I was okay. watching it. It wasn't like, um, like, do you know, when we were watching, a um, um, it's on Hulu. Um, shit, it escapes me right now. Um, What's it feel like? What's it sound like? <laughs> it's Alfred, that one. Oh, Handmaid's Tales. Tales. You know how we felt? It's like this is just torture porn and yeah. she can't get anything. Until we get to the end of the season. Got, it, it was like, but, oh, this is why you're watching it. It wasn't like that. 
So I, it's hard to explain. I, I think that it is exactly like that. But I, 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 it, I don't feel that way, though. Because I, I never – On the rewatch. At any point during the first season, I was never, like, rolling my eyes. Because I mm-hmm. watched it, and then I had to watch it again several – was it a year later? Because just to, to catch up on it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I never caught – actually, I did watch all the way through season one with you that first time. Did you? I think I did, almost all the way through. And then I didn't – you sped up on to season two. I probably – work was picking up, and I never, just never got in – picked it up again. But, God, it's like – it's just tragic. It was such a good show, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's interesting that you say that because I remember when I watched it – it usually takes me a while to get into shows, especially like period pieces that have like a very specific aesthetic. But I feel like at like one or two episodes, it was very obvious that the show knew what it wanted to accomplish, knew where it was going. And it was just very solid in its foundation. And as a show, it's, it overall, it's just very solid. Um, I mean, like me personally, I just love like the setting of Victorian London and I like, I really love the idea of like meshing all of these different Penny Dreadful characters, putting them all in one space, making them interact with each other. I think that's really cool. I love that's, that too. That's what I, re- that's what made me watch the show. You know, that was, that was one of my main draws. And, you know, British accents are always great. They're always <laughs> great to listen to. <laughs> Hear that guys and girls, you can get Andre with the British accent. Yeah. I mean, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, and uh, I mean, like, they're such amazing actors in this show as well. Like, I can't believe Ava Green did not get a single Emmy for yeah. this performance at all. The show got shut. Like, out. I mean, like, it's the Emmys. They're you know, yeah. award shows in general are just shit most of the time. But I really don't give a shit about awards. Yeah, just per- just like shout out to Ava Green. Like, I, I fin- like I've again, like I've watched the show four times and it blows me away every single time. I, you know, and I think there is a lot of love out there for her. There's a lot of people. There's, a, you know, in this industry, from what we're telling on the fringes of it, specifically, I am. You still, there are people who do recognize it, who don't do know what it is, who do. It's kind of a joke within certain circles about like award shows. It's very political. It's very much a, a joke because mm-hmm. I think it's like if you look at the individual ratings, the fan strength, how people are still are talking about this show after all this time, and we'll continue to talk about it. It's one of those cultural phenomenons, I believe. Like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was in its own time, and and other of its ilk, like the people who like Firefly, people mm-hmm. who love that these shows find each other and find and that I I started to investigate more as I was watching it this second and a half time around um the fandom is just still so intense around it and yeah. and I said to you again I'm an uneducated oaf sometimes I said oh they could have taken this for like six or seven seasons and you're like no not at all <laughs> What are you talking about, you Philistine? And I realized that, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a heathen. So I was, well, I sent you an article that I had finally read from John Logan, the creator, who was like, no, it, it was specifically designed to last for three seasons. And that's why he could jump in with all of these different Penny Dreadfuls, which mm-hmm. were these uh, serialized papers that would come out in London and across um, 
other areas of the world. I mean, I think they were not just in London, but they took all of these creatures of lore and he made this beautiful space for everyone with inside this world and gave, I think, enough story to just about everyone. There were a couple of times, I want to say, where I was like, do I need to know about this bitch? Or I like felt like justice was not done by Angelique, and we'll get into that. But, mm. but John Logan had a plan and had a schematic. And as I watched it my two and a half times again, I started to appreciate so many things about this the show and yeah, what a it, little gem it is. It's definitely a multi. You have to watch it a couple several times. I have to go through it again. I mean, I think I even, you'll see stuff even again. yeah again. I mean, for me, like I, I saw it, I kept finding new stuff. Yeah. What do you you said? What drew you to it, Andre? What did what did you like? Did you just see it? And it go, was. It was just like the Netflix description. It was mm. like Frankenstein, Dorian Gray, like Victorian London, like, oh, all of my aesthetics wrapped into one. Like, you like all that stuff? Yeah, I love it. It's, I just, and, and I mean, I mean, like the, I think to for me personally, like theology is like so fascinating to me. Yeah, me and too. I love, love what the show does with it. How it like sort of like elevates that struggle between like God and the devil. And it doesn't do it very like stereotypically or like cliche either. Right. Like. Like, they took a lot of care to humanize, like, the character of, like, Satan. And I really, really love the season two finale where um, Vanessa decides to go confront um, the witches herself. And that voodoo doll of Vanessa, like, comes alive and, like, the devil is speaking through it. I thought that was amazing. That's it was a my great favorite scene. part. Yeah. There again, yeah, man, that scene got me. I'm like, shit, you guys are sitting on season three like a boss. Mm-hmm. That's how you get out of a, a a season. The devil talks to your character, and then your character claps back. Claps back in demonic languages and goes, "Oh, I heard you, bitch, but this is what I got <laughs> to say." And here's the holy thunder, and I'm not taking your shit. To get my name out of your mouth. I was like, <laughs> "Holy shit!" Because it's so cool. We realize just how powerful uh, Vanessa is. Yeah, and we always have these people saving the world in a lot of the stories that we love. And um, as I've gotten older, I sort of laugh sometimes behind my hand like a Japanese girl. I go, oh, he thinks he's actually important. Uh, but with some characters, especially Vanessa, you believe it. You believe that she's got something in her that's so dangerous. It threatens to take her over. And obviously, while she you know, becomes Dracula girlfriend, it uh, kind of blots out the sky for a minute. Um, mm. I guess here's my question. Yeah. And, and maybe this is me being thick-headed. What was Vanessa? Was she a demon for Jesus? She was essentially what what they called her the mother of evil. Um, And I think Lyle, my favorite character next to Vanessa, Mm -hmm. he says that the mother of evil has different incarnations um, depending on what religion you're talking about. Um, Like the whole Amunet and Amun-Ra. So yeah, she was basically the mother of evil. Cool. And I mean, which is so interesting to like watch her deal with it. I mean, like the show opens with Vanessa. She's praying to a cross on the wall 
and it sets up the series really succinctly. And then by the end of season two, she's lost her faith. She, God has turned her back on her. We get into to season three. She's a mess. She's depressed. She's, you know, scratching her hands up and she needs to find a way to be happy. And then, you know, Dracula comes back and he's like, be my bride. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and then she ends up, and she ends up dying. And it's so, it's so tragic because all you, you really just want, especially in season three, you just want Vanessa to be happy. We all want her like, to be happy. But it's not, it was never in the cards for her to be happy. And I think that's, that's the tragic I part. I mean, I envision a future for a minute. Just, just go with me guys on this journey. Vanessa eyes is, she's dating Brona. You know, they like have a couple of years together. It's good. They understand each other. They talk about inner demons. They got it. And then, you know, maybe she breaks up with Brona or Brona breaks up with her or they just remain friends. Or maybe they they open up their relationship and then Ethan gets to come around and he's hanging out. And everybody tells Dorian how to fix his shit or he's going to be alone forever, forever, ever. And like how a he can style his hair differently. Seriously, just in the middle, wear a hat. I don't know what's happening. I know I understand thin hair, but I'm saying. When I was I was watching the first season with my roommate, and Dorian Gray came on screen, and she's like, that's Dorian Gray? I thought he was supposed to be, like, cute. I thought he was cute, though. I think he was cute. I, that's why I said. I'm like, he is cute. And she's like, the middle part is just, like, not doing it for me. I guess. I mean, like, something. I would The hairstyle, maybe. But, um, you know, and I could even see, like, you know, Lyle and like, oh, we we imagine a future like we want it. Does the does the creature does John Claire, you know, hook up and see Lily and, and they have a thing? Because this dude, I think he's got the saddest story outside of Vanessa. He's yeah. got like the saddest story of all yeah. of the stories. I mean, all their stories are fucked up. Like, no lie. Everybody's story is like there. No one can outrank each other. I mean, maybe Lyle would be toward the sort of the bottom of this with Victor Frankenstein, but seriously, even they have shit they've battled, and we don't know how much they've even lost personally. Mm-hmm. But like, just just John Clare, like his wife is like, just don't come home if you're not going to get him resurrected. Yeah, and he goes out to the lake and is like, I know the gods have cleared up and everything seems like it's better, but like I want to like send my son into the great river sticks like you know well i mean it's, so, it's so the whole thing with his wife is so poignant as well because he when he comes back as you know frankenstein's monster his whole existence is plagued by the fact that he was resurrected you right. know something that is not natural you want to be hated and it's yeah. you know cosmetically he looks like scary and people are very wary of him and he deals with like his appearance and he doesn't and he wants, you know, he wants Lily to be his bride and that doesn't work out. And then he finally starts remembering the life before yeah. and he finds his wife, you know, his son is very sick. And then, yeah, his wife says, you know, the doctor brought you back. He could bring our son back. And now he's faced with the very thing that makes his journey so difficult and what started it to begin with. And ultimately he, he doesn't make that choice because he knows that it's not something you should wish for to be brought back like this. I mean, there's a reason it is not natural. There's a reason that Logan ends his series with that last image of John Claire at her grave, Vanessa, Vanessa's grave. Do you guys get the impression? Because one of my favorite episodes in the entire series is where, um, 
where Vanessa goes back in time with the reincarnated cut wife in the form of the New York hardened uh, psychiatrist takes her back to her time in the asylum. Yes. My favorite episode is um, Roy Kinnear and Eva Green in this one room. And mm-hmm. this is where she first encounters what would be John Clare. We don't actually know John's real name, original name, but where how he shows her a kindness. So, again, best episode. I should have won everybody Emmys for directing, for acting. I agree. Like, everybody, like, seriously, even though I still think, you know, Josh Hartnett, again, he should have also got an Emmy, everybody in the fucking series. Yeah. Uh, but fuck Emmys, I don't know what's good. Yeah, Do you th- that's all, that, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I, no. Answer your question. Like, talk about that because that was my favorite episode. Yeah, I was. I was just gonna say that that scene is on my list of things to talk about. There's that one scene where John Clare. We're just gonna call him John Clare. Yeah. Um. He like smuggles in makeup and he's putting makeup on Vanessa as he talks. And someone pointed this out to me. They're having a full conversation, even though Vanessa doesn't say a word. Yes. It's all Ava Green just all just plays it with her glances, the way she conveys the message through her eyes. It's incredible to watch. You know exactly what's going through her mind. Because apart from the fact that Ava Green is a phenomenal actress, you also have the knowledge of what's happened to her in the past and how it relates to what he's talking about in that moment. And that I love that scene when John Clare is sort of um taken over by the devil. And then Dracula shows up and the devil is scared of Dracula, which, which is really interesting. Yeah. That whole, that whole scene, phenomenal. Like, In this entire episode, the thing that I noticed, cause I always look for performances, uh, in people. And again, when it's Rory's turn, well, it, I, really the, these scenes are predominantly given to Rory Kinnear. who plays mm-hmm. John Clare. And Eva Green is such a wonderful actress. They use the word generous a lot. This is what this means. This yeah, is that's what, what generous I was, that's means. That's what I was thinking. It's such generosity there. The generosity for to let Rory carry these scenes and then her whole acting contains within uh, reaction shots over the shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. It shows you what trust these two actors had with each other, the faith the director and the writer had in this material and when Rory and Rory carries this entire episode, but not without the beautiful shoulders and weight and help of Eva Green. This is why I thought, you know, y'all don't know what's good. If you didn't recognize this in your top 10, top 15, top 20 list, and I used to write in that vein, then y'all smoking crack motherfuckers. I think a couple of my favorite um, Writers did include Penny Dreadful, but it was low on the list. I don't know what y'all were looking at that year. If I pulled it up and show you, you'd be embarrassed because I still will say all day long that um, this particular episode where Rory Kinnear, who was an amazing actor, was just so wonderful. And Eva was so lovely with him to just let him have it. Mm-hmm. And she does that Do with you- everybody in this cast. By the way, do you think the reason that the show isn't right? Do you think like there's a more like a cult following for the show? Do you think it's like makes it inaccessible by just the fact that it's a period piece and it's a very heavy and you know, very I couldn't, heavy show? I, I couldn't begin to tell you. I, I think things get 
genre size. That's not a word. Uh, by the look and feel of things, you know, this is mm-hmm. a steampunk thing. This is a blah blah thing. This is a, and and what this was is just a good ass show. No matter who you were and where you come from, what you like, it was just a good ass show. But I do feel like people tend to shun things that they don't just initially like the smell or whiff of, right? Mm-hmm. And it ultimately led to a huge cult following that still loves it. I don't know. Yeah. What's your theory? I mean, I, what do I you think, guys think? I, I think that's that's the case, dude, because. Maybe that was the reason why. I mean, because like I said, just I had I felt like I was doing work. Initially, you were turned off by. Well, not tur- not turned off because I never was. It wasn't like it was always. I'm going to get back to this. Because it felt like a big weighty kind of heavy thing. I needed. I didn't. Need, I needed. Here's to put, War and Peace. You're going to read that after you know. You're like, well, oh, no, it was. It. it wasn't like it wasn't like I was putting it off. It's just like I had I had to have the the capacity to put into this because I knew it was something. There was something there. It's like my cousin sure. with, with Mr. Robot. I that, think when she finally see, watches it, she's going to feel like, I oh, think, shit, I should have watched I think that's the case with this is that, you know, when you finally do go and put the work in and you get through it, you're, you, you're like, oh, my God, I appreciate this so much. I want to revisit it again. And it, it, you see how good of – I mean, you're talking about these scenes – and you're talking about the actors, and you're just I mean, you're getting, we like we were watching it, and we're just think because we we're, we have a production background, we're just thinking about what was it like on set, I mean, and you 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 have experienced those times when there's this magic on set, and it it had you know and it comes out on the final product, I think mm-hmm. this is one of those shows where it's like, oh, they captured some magic. Those guys really were able to tap into something. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. The show can be very depressing at times. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that's if that's the reason why it has such a small, medium sized following. I'm not sure. Maybe it's maybe it's the fact that generally, like a lot of people don't watch period pieces or don't prefer them. I don't know. Is it, really a, is it a period? I mean, because I got to tell you, there's a whole continent. There's a whole, whole swaths of people who live for the BBC. Mm-hmm. So if it just, you know, if it's got tea and crumpets and like corsets in it, they there. You know, they've mm-hmm. got collar stays in it. I don't know. I I mean, I haven't done a, a thorough pulse beat of the fandom, but the, the people who are dedicated to the show are dedicated fully. Mm-hmm. Um. I just like good stuff, and it and I just felt like after watching the pilot, I'll try just about anything. I'm the experimental drug kid, you know. Well, let's all try that. And I think after the pilot, I was like, oh yeah, I'm in. Okay, great. And I understood the Penny Dreadful, and I did Commedia dell'arte in theater, and I understood the Victorian age. I've mm-hmm. written many a piece on the Victorian age. Don't want to go there because of you know, you could die of a common cold, and you could get an STD that would make your genitals fall off, and you couldn't have. Uh, you couldn't be bisexual for fucking sure, have black friends, or, you know, be a woman and vote. But, you know, other than that, it was a really cool kind of fucked up time where a lot of things were being decided about how we were going to head into the modern age. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with this period and what they did with it. Because what John Logan did with it was take all of that kind of launching into the modern age kind of deal and make the show about it. I don't think he was trying to stump some sort of political breast, you know, beat some sort of political breast. 
But I think he was talking about about who we were headed into the modern age with these characters. Because there's kind of a representation of a lot of things in it. Mm -hmm. All these different characters. You say Lyle. If you say Ferdinand Lyle is your favorite character, second favorite? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Who's your second favorite? Yeah, Lyle. And who's your second favorite? Um, probably Ethan. Honestly, yeah. I mean, Josh Harnett. I think. I think Ethan. Well, I think all of the characters are interesting, but Ethan especially. Like the first time we meet him, there's this really great shot of you know he's doing the gun show with a ridiculous wig and the mustache, and you see the audience, and you see Vanessa sitting there, and she's wearing like very black and white attire and everyone else is kind of colorful you know very tan sort of centered colors and everyone is watching the the bullets go back and forth and she's just staring dead ahead and like the visual storytelling in just that one shot is amazing because you know i mean and you just saw her in the previous scene you know praying to the cross that's just turned itself upside down um but ethan you know he's you know very masculine american and stoic and then as the seasons go on you find out that there is a very vulnerable person inside of there. And I think that's the deal with pretty much everyone in the show. Absolutely. Like Sir, Sir Malcolm, again, very stoic, prim and proper, you know, a gentleman's man. And then you find out, oh, you know, he kind of killed his son. He ends up killing Mina. And by the time his wife is dead because of the weird voodoo shit um, Evelyn Poole was pulling on her on his wife, he's just he has no family. He's completely vulnerable as well. And I don't know, it's it's the way the show and John Logan really cares about their characters and where where he wants them to go. There was a total um, care about them, wasn't there? Yeah. And it's not even like the the burden, or not the burden, the responsibility of adapting these characters and making them believable in 1890s Victorian London. Um, how do you, you know, make or humanize a character like Frankenstein that comes with so much stereotypical baggage. Um, How do you make Dorian, like Dorian Gray, even Ben Helsing, like the first couple of episodes Mm. he was in, you know, I think, I I don't know. It's just so interesting. And everyone just, just talks like everything that comes out of their mouth is just like poetry. Mm. And in in some instances, like John Clare, the creature, it's very much literally poetry. I did love the script. He learned, like how to speak through reading poetry, which I thought was just a really nice touch. And it doesn't, the show is also very consistent. Mm. There's not a lot of tonal shifts between the seasons, unless you're counting um, the American setting in season three, but it's just very consistent. Which both you and I didn't care for. We didn't really care. I I will say this on, on my fourth (laughs) rewatch, it didn't bother me. Well, it serves as kind of a purpose. I think the second time around I watched it, I didn't mind it as much as the first time. I remember the first time being very jarred of it and Mm -hmm. being pulled out of uh, London, you know, Victorian London uh, was jarring. But this time, of course, you know, his journey with Hecate, his, uh, all the many fathers that Josh Hartnett has. In fact, if you want to get into symbolism, he has three fathers. Just saying. Mm. Um, and all the things that he kind of has to go through there. It made sense that he would pick up his spirit father and then take him back to London for the big battle where they would fight the cast of Les Mis uh, over <laughs> at Dracula's house. 
I'm like, bitch, you're fighting the Castellet Miz, and y'all just showed up with like two handguns. And like, I feel like Victor Frankenstein and the psychiatrist were just fucking useless. And probably even Sir Malcolm. It was really just no, that Sir Mal- bad. Sir, Sir Malcolm had, had the automatic. Skills. The psychiatrist was cool. I, I think it, it was, was the badass redhead. He was like holding it down yeah. the fort. It was, I, it was I, wish, I wish they introduced Catriona a lot sooner. A lot sooner. I'm like, where has this bitch ass. been? It's like, it's. I swear to God, it's like Scarlet Witch in Infinity War. I was so like, why was this bitch not yeah. on the first bench in season one? We find yeah. this bitch in like season three. What the fuckity fuck? Anyway. Oh, I wish she was. I wish she was there earlier. I kind of the rankings of my favorite characters shift, and this is what I love. This is why I know I love a cast because it used to be like Vanessa and then Lyle and then, um, you know, uh, maybe Josh. Uh, uh, what I'm saying? What's, I'm using Josh Hartnett's characters. Ethan. When, Ethan. Then Ethan. But but this time around, I have to say. I would have all kinds of feels for uh, Donnie Sapani, Danny Sapani as Simbene. Um, mm. Yeah, it's only because I've followed uh, Danny so much. He's in. He's currently in Harlots with Samantha Morton, but he yeah. kind of got noticed in this. He had done some theater before. He's got you know he's got some track record. But I loved him as Simbene and how he sacrifices himself. Um. Patty Lapone. Yeah. Can't hate so no Patty Lapone. That girl can show up and read the phone book as far as I'm concerned. I love me some Broadway. My second favorite episode in the series is the Cut Wife. Yeah. Uh, episode. The standalone episodes are really great. Oh my God. Just yeah. so Patty Lapone gave me life. But there wasn't that bad episode in the bunch. I mean I mean, I love that, you know, Ethan hooks up with Dorian and you think there's hope for Dorian with Angelique and you think mm-hmm. Dorian's, you know, he's lived a long life. Okay, here's your after school special, Penny Dreadful fans. Living a long life means you got some bad, suspicious, problematic judgment. Why did you kill Angelique, bitch? She would have mm. accepted him. Yeah. She would have been cool. She's had to do stuff to survive. Why did he kill her? Mm. Can y'all answer the question for me? Why did he kill her? I know uh, how the writers would try to justify it, but it made no sense. That's the only one of the times, two or three times I got jarred. But that I agree with me. you. I agree with you. I can't necessarily remember why he killed her. Um, I know like she saw the painting or whatever. Fine, whatever. She'd be like, okay, here's all your secrets. I don't think the way Angelique had to live her life so desperately she would have ever said, oh, I get to live forever in luxury and not have to sell my body mm-hmm. as so many trans people had to do. Like so many queer people, other people had to do. I don't see her like betraying Dorian. And I think she genuinely like cared for him and was like even possibly falling for him because he accepted her. So I did not buy her death. And I thought... Oh, it so annoyed me. I'm like, is the show doing a kill all your gays thing? Because I mean, Lyle survived, so we're good on that. Sure. He's Jewish <laughs> and gay, blah, blah. But I was just like, no, did we have to have this tragic death? The only thing I could rationalize is that um, in the third season when he's talking to Lily, uh, the, the very last episode of season three, where he's talking about like the burden of being immortal and having all the ones you love wither away, except us, you know, grow old, except us. 
So maybe he was thinking in that moment it wasn't worth it. Maybe he was feeling too attached himself, and he's like, well, got to cut that shit. Wow. <laughs> um, I don't don't know. break up with Dorian Gray, man. It will fucking poison your ass. Well, that's the thing is like, I mean, he. That's a good point, actually. He, yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, he, he maybe he got the feels and he realized he had to cut that. But then it went the the other way. Uh, the opposite, too, is when um, he finally met an immortal and he had to cut that, too. Well, yeah. I don't know who broke up with who in that scene because I feel like Lily dropped his ass. Oh, she totally did. And then I also think that Vanessa had already, like, teed him up for getting dropped because she dropped him before Lily dropped his ass. She goes, oh, this is the feeling of rejection. That's how that feels. How does it feel? Yeah. I love that scene where she's just like, he's just like, oh, tears. I'm like, if I had just seen any of my exes with that look on their face, I would have been so satisfied to go, this is the feeling of rejection, bitch. Well... Now that we're on the subject, big shout out to Billy Piper. Oh. Phenomenal work. She has two big monologues at the end of season two and season three, and they're some of my favorite parts of the show. Yes, yes, yes. They were in my notes to get to. Her two monologues about women and where we are in the state of women and what we do with our vajays and all of that. Her and, and Dr. Frankenstein in, in, the, in the house, yeah. The first one. Yeah. And then when she's doing her monologue to John Clare, I was like, oh, y'all aren't even ready for this shit. Mm. And nothing for Billy Piper? Nobody? Exactly. Nothing Didn't for, even nothing get, like, free Starbucks for life? Nothing? I mean, Nobody? She, played, she, she played two characters. Yes. Both as believable as an ex. Also, really quick, can I just say, I was really... I did not like... Um, Frankenstein's arc in season three. I really did not like it. Like, you're kidnapping. I mean, I, I know this is like because they're, you know, in Victorian London and, you know, women are, you know, uh, submiss- supposed to be submissive to men, but you're kidnapping her so you can make her silent and submissive. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, I, I know that he, like, lets her go in the end, but it had to take like a sob story for him to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Well, already I feel like I have a problem with Victor Frankenstein from the very beginning. Um, yeah. I had a, a problem with the way we didn't witness his abandoning of John Clare. But if you're going to birth children into the world, bitch, and you're going to be the first man to do so. Oh, I see. You're just going to abandon your firstborn. Okay, y'all get a child, you get a shot at childbirth, and that's what you do. And then the second kid comes around and kills like your second born. But the third kid you give birth to, you're filling her up in the tank. You're filling mm. her up on her body like you own her in your tank. Okay, all kinds of creepy. It's not the actor. I love the actor. He's amazing. Do not. I know there are going to be some Frankenstein lovers who are like going to come for me and say, no, he's amazing. And I love Harry Treadaway. Do not come for me, Harry Treadaway fans. I'm just saying Victor felt like somebody, maybe John Logan or whomever, kind of put some burdens in him that made him more unlikable in a way that I felt shocking. Because, think, or maybe think, he was a representation of Victorian society that I created you, I own you, I could destroy you yeah. kind of thing. Maybe that's what it was, but I took it in a different way. But I kind of felt like, I know, I know what you're trying to mean with him, mm. 
mm-hmm. but I'm not taking it that way. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? I, don't, I mean, until season three, I, I, I really liked the character. I liked that, you know, we had the scientist put like face to face with all of this, you know, theological stuff that's going on and him being the skeptic and everyone being like, you literally just saw Vanessa being possessed by three demons at the same time. Right. I think you can stop being skeptic. Um, but no, I, I, I feel you on that weird bathtub scene. When I was watching that, I was like, this is kind of, this is kind of weird. It's kind seriously. Of weird. I mean, I, mean, I guess undead. he's a virgin, but. Yeah, but yeah. like serious. It just, uh, but I loved uh, Brona slash Lily. Um, I, I agree with you. Shout out to Billy Piper. She's also one of our favorite companions from Doctor Who. She plays uh, Doctor mm-hmm. Number 10's uh, companion, David Tennant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, here's a question I forgot to ask early on. Do you feel like at the end of this entire journey with these characters that John Clare had fully remembered his time with Vanessa or just his time since becoming uh, Frankenstein's monster? Do you think that he remembers being the man in the asylum with um, with Vanessa Ives when he was telling her, please get better? Oh, that's interesting. Um, well, I, I mean, I know there was one scene where Vanessa told him, we we know each other. You were, you know, my attendant in the asylum and he has no idea what he's talking about. Um, that could be that could be interesting that by the time he, you know, she's dead and he goes to her grave that he he suddenly remembers. That could be that could be. I never I kind of want to believe that's what happened. I mean, I want to put that in the situation, I think part of mm-hmm. the wish list it could be left up to interpretation honestly yeah i there wasn't a hmm. i loved west studio in this i loved patty lapone rory kinnear uh reeve carney as dorian gray i just there's so many Johnny Beauchamp as uh, Beauchamp. Are you Beauchamp or Beauchamp? I don't know what you are, Johnny, as Angelique. Uh, Eva Green, Billy Piper. We talked about Josh Hartnett, Danny Sapani. Sapani, sorry. Simon uh, Russell uh, Beale. That's your Ferdinand Lyle. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about him real quick? Can we? I loved him. Like I just loved him. Just like, I loved him getting verklempt. Over Ethan when he first meets him. Oh, yeah. That is <laughs> the best scene. <laughs> probably top five scenes from Penny Dreadful is Lyle meeting Ethan. Yeah. He's like, do bring your gun belt. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you vanquish me. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. He's also, he's one of one of the characters that I really love just like listening to. The way he talks. I hate the like, way he, yeah, the speech impediment. It's so great. And uh, his coloring, his carriage. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, again, genius, genius on screen. And uh, that's why, again, th- these are the reasons why I don't follow award shows. Um, but I'm also glad that we do a podcast where we can shout out to these people who were the unsungs uh, in their time and go, man, did you miss something? I mean, I think you can see, can you not see, can you see Penny Dreffel on like Hulu now or Netflix? It's, it's on Netflix, yeah. Okay, so now you can go to Netflix. You can see all three seasons if you have that account. I don't know if you can see it anywhere else, maybe on Hulu. Obviously, originally on Showtime if you have Showtime. (sighs) Ferdinand Lyle. Because I was like, when I first met him, I was just like, whomever you are, I love you so much right now. Yeah. You are amazing. (laughs) 
You and you loved him for I think felt like a catchuaba in your love of Lyle. Oh no, go ahead. No, no, no. Did you have anything more to say about Ferdinand? Um, I have to give a shout out to again one of I. I feel like I have like ten thousand favorite scenes, but the one scene where they're sort of piecing together the story of the devil through the artifacts. I thought that was really cool. And then like, and the whole series takes a turning point where we find out that it was, wasn't just Lucifer and his followers that was sent down. It was also Dracula, one sent to hell, one sent to earth, um, to find the mother of evil. And like, I mean, again, that's how you got to get a girlfriend in the modern age, man. Y'all canvas (laughs) hell and earth. (laughs) And, Again, I've watched the show four times, and every time that happens, it gives me chills. It's crazy. Like, and then, like, the music kicks in. We can talk about the music in a minute, because it's phenomenal. But, like, the music kicks in, like, um, Sir Malcolm and Frankenstein, like, their eyes, like, get wide. They're like, wait, what the fuck? Um, and even Vanessa's like, you're telling me that I'm the qu- the the goal of some satanic quest. Like, I'm sorry if I'm a little skeptical. Like, <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just so. I I really wish Lyle was in more of season three. Um, I'm I'm assuming there might have been some actor availability issues. Um, oh, was there? That's that's my guess. I don't know. Okay, we'll never know. Let's talk about the music. I found the music to be a huge part of this entire series. Oh, it's so great! It's so great. Do we know um, who the, the composer guy- is? Yes, I've had to like rehearse his last name. Um, Abel Korzeniowski. Uh. Um, he is, his main titles music, like, I don't usually sit through main titles of shows, but this one, I, I sit through it every time with the music and the visuals. It's, it's so good. But here's the thing with, with what he's doing. He, he doesn't really generate a lot of material. He has like, um, a small toolbox of like really good themes and motifs and he bases the whole score for each episode around that. Like he has like Vanessa Ives theme and then like the, the devil satanic theme. I think it's so cool. And he brings, he brings something new to every season as well. Yes, he does. Um, oh my God, he does. But, and he also, I don't know how he does it, but it doesn't come off as repetitious anyway. No, um, no. I mean, cause you, you, you hear the themes over and over and over again, anytime, anytime a specific character is on screen and it's just so very effective. And I love the fact that it's mainly just like piano and strings. Mm. Like it's like so simplistic. The music is not complicated at all, but it's like so incredibly effective. Um, so shout out to that. Hey, kind of a John Williams esque kind of flair to it without being John Williams. It was like a, this modernized simplicity that I quite appreciated. I just loved it. Like the pen, the penny dreadful was created for the common man to capture his or her imagination and pull them into a world as a matter of escape because times were dismal and uh, think times were scary. And so the penny mm-hmm. dreadful, you know, it, it, wh- how we do now, why entertainment never suffers, no matter you know what's going on, is that you want to you want to put your fear somewhere. You it, it's like its own church. That's what entertainment yeah. and art is. Is that you want to put 
all of these hopes and fears and dreams and the shit that's going on with you into this sort of thing. And the, and the penny dreadful was literally meant for that. You paid a, you know, a pence and you got a story, a fantastical story. And even though you were, you know, you had dysentery and maybe your children were dying, you got laid off at the dock, you know, you could focus on this fantastical otherworldly creature who was having a, a worse time of it than you. And you mm. escaped, you know, don't quote me on the, uh, actual origins origins of the penny dreadful i did not read the wikipedia or anything that came with it but i'm just going back in time Mm. to the 80s of when i studied this and i'm probably wrong (laughs) but it it just seems like that's what entertainment serves to be and maybe that's why because i'm seeing a resurgence in interest in this series in this current time and it could Mm -hmm. be for the same reasons that people are looking for ways to escape or relate or identify um, yeah. and that's why we always, you know, and experience art, engage yeah. with it, right? One one last thing I wanted to say about the music. Um, not a lot of TV composers do this, but when they do it, it's really cool. Um, when he uses music from the main titles within the episode, mm. um, he doesn't do it often, but when he does it's some of the best musical moments of the show. And I think that goes for any show, really. There was, I can count, not to bring everything back to The Walking Dead, but... Let's do was, it. <laughs> we do it every show. There was one, count them, one time where Bear McCurry used the main title's music within the episode, and it was really awesome. Mm. So I feel like TV composers should do that more because it's really cool. Teen Wolf did this a lot as well. Well, y- yes they do. Well, back in the day when before fire was invented when dinosaurs worked the earth and I was in college, um <laughs> they, you know, we had incidental music and so like if you look, like, take Brady Bunch for um for an example, you'd have da 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 da. da. So if something dramatic happened on the show, you would have this sort of incidental music that would be like dun dun da da. Uh you know to sort of like i feel like people are doing it uh effortlessly now because Uh we used to make fun of it even walking around like one of the first jokes i ever wrote i think i was in like sixth grade and it was about incidental music in a brady bunch episode Mm -hmm. but when a, um, a guy or a girl or a person just a human being can create this music and then hearken it like that, that they did. I felt like it was not repackaged, recycled. I feel yeah. you. Uh, it did not feel like I had heard it before. It was something freshened. So yeah, hats off to you, sir. Uh, also fuck this show for making me realize this again, another reference to the walking dead. So just as we saw in The Walking Dead of a future with Maggie and Glenn and their child that would have been, and you saw the big Lord's Table with all the cast of characters, fuck you for making me see a future where Ethan and Vanessa would have had two children uh, drawing weird animals, hippopotamuses, horses, and making me see that they yearned and loved each other and broke my heart. Fuck mm. you, Penny Dreadful and John Logan for making me see that. But also, thank you. So. Yeah, what could have been, right? Damn, yo. And she's so, and you can see in her eyes, she's like so ready 
to just yeah. give it all up because that's all I mean that's all she wants she just and that's what we want for her she just wants a normal life she wants to be happy she doesn't want this burden of being the mother of evil um god it's just I'm so the mother of evil I'm the mother of evil many days <laughs> and some days I just want Dracula to come by and go what's up girl um <laughs> You know, my version of hell was that you would all have to pay retail and uh, so many other horrible things. Oh, maybe maybe I am the mother of evil. Maybe what I've realized is actually happening now. Okay, I need to go make a blood scorpion in the backyard and pray on some shit in a demonic voice later to make maybe possibly what's happening go away. <laughs> Sorry about a politics in the podcast out of nowhere, but sometimes <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Hey, so uh, we were going to do a podcast on Deadpool 2, and we decided not to for various reasons, not because it isn't amazing and we love it. Um, it just kind of was like, it's so amazing and popular. What could we say about Deadpool that hasn't been said before? Um, but what I want to ask you as we leave this podcast is, you you got us hooked on the crack that is the Marvel Universe. You got yes. me and Ian deeply steeped into this, it, to the degree that we watched all of the Marvel Universe films, the predominant ones, backwards um, from Infinity War. You didn't ask us to do that. I haphazardly made that decision, but you got us pimped out on Marvel Universe and then come to find out You've never seen Deadpool or Deadpool 2? Mm-hmm. Would you like to ex- explain yourself, sir? <laughs> well, thank you for putting me in the hot seat. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I don't have, I don't have an explanation. Um, it's just something I haven't seen. And my friends have made a point of saying, like, I told them, like, I've never seen Deadpool. And they cocked their head and they're like... I don't really think you'd like it. I'm like, why wouldn't why wouldn't why? I like it? And they're just like, well, I don't know. I just know you, and you might you probably won't like it. I'm like, all right, I guess. But you like um, funny things. I mean, I'm I'm definitely gonna watch. I mean, like if you if you're saying I should watch it, then I, I I'm gonna watch it. I just um, even if you end up hating it, I just I'm not questioning your friends. I know you way better than I just I've met you 15 minutes ago. They know something about you that I don't know, but like you like Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yeah. yeah. Probably less so than maybe the other ones, I'm guessing. You, you're correct. Right. Because those are more tongue in cheek and you're more in the vein of the more kind of more serious, slightly funny, but yes. not steeped in. So I can see how you're, if you're in that ilk and see where your friends are like, oh, it's joke, joke, joke a minute. Yeah. Um, However, there's so much packed in those jokes. There's you have to unpack. You have to watch. Uh, they're just yeah. They're just really. You have to relevant. watch it like three times. Yeah. The jokes are just heavy. some of them are even not even relevant. They're just like Marvel referencing, yeah. uh-huh. hilarious kind of double downing on stuff that I'm like, oh my god, that what just happened? Oh my god, and, and then and then he said. Like Deadpool 2, we had to watch it twice. And I'm like, I think I need to watch this a third time because there's so much shade that he's throwing at Disney, at Marvel, at so many people. It's like it's like friendly fire. It's just like, what's happening? Like, everybody's just getting bullets in the head. Yeah. While there's just like this crazy action going on. Like, the, uh, it's, like spo- spo- it's, it's like yeah. a roast. It's like a roast. He's roasting Marvel. He's, yeah, he's roasting 
And the loveliest, yeah. kindliest way. Because when he turns to the girl who's, who plays Domino and goes, zip it, black, black widow. Um, I'm like, <laughs> what did you just do? <laughs> and then he calls the Indian guy Brown Panther. I mean, like, there's just, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of shit. Even yeah, if you I mean, like, up, yeah. I've, I've said before, I'm not like the biggest fan of the comedy genre. Yeah. Um, that's weird. I guess that's, I guess that's why I've been, I've been hesitant about it. I don't know. I Touch, mean, like, also. Show me like, on the Hattie Duty doll where comedy has hurt you, please. <laughs> I mean, in my defense, um, Deadpool, as far as I know, isn't like officially. It is Marvel, but it's not like officially, officially part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, I say that. I could be wrong. <laughs> I could be wrong on that. Well, you that, can't I mean, sit it on but it's table. like it's cur- it's currently in the corner with like the X Men and the Fantastic Four, like waiting to be like in the universe. So it's only a matter of time. Like Deadpool is probably going to show up at like the end credit scene for Avengers Four or something. Um, well, that was a, that I was mean, a, that so. was the thing I was I was I was curious about. Is like I guess this is not part of that. You He's know. always seen as a, mitfit, a misfit and an outcast to all of these worlds, but and he, that's why I love Deadpool. But he references, especially in this one, yes. he references Thanos. He references Black Panther. Oh, it's and he just goes after all these other characters. Dude. Yeah. And I thought, I, I mean, because I know like X-Men is, is sort of like a little different because they don't blend those, the Avengers and them. Yeah. I didn't watch most of those uh, but, films because of Brian Singer, but I will say though, I'll, I, all I know about, um, really all I know about Deadpool is that um, their Negasonic Teenage Warhead um, is not straight. Yeah. And neither is Deadpool. Nah. So you fanboys can take that mm-hmm. and run with it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you can. Yeah. You can, Deadpool is or not if you're straight. Feeling, if you're feeling like you really want to do it, you can finally suck a dick. It feels good. <laughs> Just do it. He is not straight. The comic it's okay. books, it's very, very obvious. Just kiss people. It's fine. You're going to be loved. <laughs> It'll clear up your skin. Yeah. And um, you, you can come after me on that, I guess. No, don't do that. Don't come after Andre. <laughs> I will fucking obliterate you. He's a nice man. <laughs> you come after me. I'm an old soldier. No, uh, I, I can. Okay. I, again, I don't really know you. And and I understand that you're not a super fan, but I would be. I would. I guess I just want to know what you think of them. You don't even have to like them at all. You can come back and go. I hate it. We don't do a podcast at all. But I feel like there's. Okay, here's. Okay, here's why. Here's why I feel hopeful. You listened to this podcast and wanted to participate in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of Deadpool. I'm actually kind of <laughs> yeah. Deadpool, dude. <laughs> so if you're not, if you felt me, you know, I think you would probably enjoy it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to watch it soon. Okay. I'll let you, I'm going to put pressure on you. I know. I, I, would, <laughs> I wish I could just recreate the text that we sent back and forth where I was just admonishing you for like not watching. <laughs> and you were like, listen, <laughs> I <laughs> will, I will get there in a minute. And I was just like, and then I just, you know, shared with you 
I think about myself that I just recently found out that uh, eggs in the grocery store are unfertilized. And all this entire time, I would have an egg and I would feel like really guilty that I was eating an, a chicken abortion. And it uh, turns out that's not true. So I feel better about myself. Um, <laughs> but I feel kind of like I was late to the party on that one. So it's okay that you haven't seen Deadpool. Because I thought I was eating chicken abortions uh, for breakfast all these many years. So, <laughs> so we're good. You and I. Cool. I don't know what we're going to get to next. I, sh- I feel like we should stop promising that we're going to like do Sense Eight or we re- yeah. <laughs> we got to stop. Well, I've got to. I mean, I haven't promised seen any this of it. episode. We promised this episode like a month ago. A month ago, <laughs> and all these people who are like queuing up and listening to stuff doesn't matter. You know, we didn't push uh, social media at the top. Let's push it now. Andre, please do the honors. You know more than of them than I do at this point. Sure. Um, so, yeah, if you guys want to email us for any reason, you know, comments, suggestions, what you want us to tackle on future episodes, uh, you can email us at ashlandpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ashlandpodcast. You know, give us a follow. Let's have a discussion. Um, and our website, again, ashlandpodcast.com. And you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, our website, and Google Play Music. And a thing called tunein.com and tune in I'll, I'll write that in for, for i did well. not know that we were i guess i submitted to it randomly i just i think i just had some cognacs in an afternoon and just submitted to everything <laughs> we're probably in some sort of like deep you know deep state websites satellite radio if we pop up there <laughs> hello dasvodonia hola you know hi um, thank you guys for the fan interaction on uh, the stuff that we do. I know we're not good on, I, I am not good on social media. Andre is amazing on social media, but he is also going to school. I have no excuse. I'm just writing a book and Ian has a job. So I, if you want to engage on social media and be cool and be nice and fine, please DM me or, or just say what you need to say on, um, on Twitter or just like you said, talk, talk to me in the email. That's fine. If you want to share some thoughts, critiques. Um, and all that kind of stuff. Again, I'm Deadpool. I don't know why you haven't watched Deadpool at this point. Anyway, okay. Um, is there something else we're that we have coming up that we're gonna be? Well, I'm. I'm we're we're I'm watching going Claws. We're Claws. watching Castle Rock. Watching Preacher. Yeah. I think you would love Preacher. Yeah. I think you would adore it. I do. Mm. I think you would adore it. I feel like may I don't know. I, again, I'm still getting to know you. Your friends are telling you, you don't like Deadpool. Maybe you wouldn't like Preacher. I don't know. Now I'm scared to recommend things to you. He's gonna hate you. <laughs> trust me again. Um, but I can't. Pro- we don't know what we're gonna do until we do it next. It's kind of a free flowing thing that we do. So those are know. the things we're watching right now. Yeah. Um, hey, I have some updates. I know people are like really waiting with bated breath to hear about my MRI. Uh, I, I went to the doctor last week and I found out that I have literally a skull, a small skull, uh, growing around the middle of my uh, middle finger joint on my right hand. Okay. Here's what happened. 1997 I had a freak accident. The dog jumped out of a car. I was in a car accident. I grabbed the dog by harness. My finger snapped upwards and I, it took about seven to eight days to get it set. It got set. It wasn't Oof. set properly. And over 20 years, it grew this cartilage because it was trying to heal itself and it turned into this kind of crooked baby penis 
<laughs> that is my middle right finger. And then the doctor, I, this one doctor I went to at the Venice Family Clinic said, hey, it's a tumor. And she kept saying tumor. And she said tumor like six times. And it freaked me out. And I thought I had cancer. And I thought pretty soon I was going to be coming to you guys like going, hey, it's been nice knowing you. I have <laughs> cancer. Uh, Andre and Ian are going to take over the podcast. Uh, you guys are great. And and, and you got to do an in, in memoria, in more, 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 more to me. A mirror, me, mirror, me, mirror, mirror. A mirror, mirror to me. And I was really freaked out. And then I went to this bomb uh, doctor, Dr. Hertz, uh, over here in Culver City. And she put my finger under the thing. And she goes, dude, your finger tried to repair itself. And it grew out this extra cartilage. And it's like a little mini skull hugging my you know, and I can't bend it. It, it. It's kind of fucked up on the end because. So I'm trying to type the end of this book. Anyway, so she's going to do surgery and she's going to try to she's restore try mobility. To... But the one thing that she said to me as we were going back to get the uh, the little, her little special x ray machine, she goes, Your middle finger will never be the same, my friend. And I said, <laughs> I'm cool with it. As long as we're not chopping it off like the old timey days, <laughs> I'm cool. She goes, we really don't do that anymore. <laughs> We're just going to try to fix your finger. So the good news is, I know people have been waiting for my finger news. Uh, I can now like type uh, okay and sort of write okay, and I can finish this book that I've been trying to write for two years. I'll be done with it very soon. Yeah, So, but it's still a crooked, it just will not straighten up. Yeah, it's mm. a, I have a baby fond nail for a middle finger. You should watch Deadpool because that's a joke you would get even more if you <laughs> saw that movie. So, yeah. Just say it. It's just like we were just sitting here watching Deadpool 2 going, yes. So I know you guys were really concerned that I had cancer. Yeah, none of them were. But um, I don't have cancer. So, yeah. I feel better about saying that out loud. Also, pray for us both. Pray for me. I'm on Weight Watchers again. Uh, I'm going into week two and feeling like I want to just like go live in a vat of like ice cream. And uh, today I cheated on some peanut butter pretzels. Whatever. Pray for me. It'll be fine. But this time next year, I'll. We got them from Trader Joe's, so they're healthy. Sponsored by Trader Joe's. Sponsored by Trader Joe's. Is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything like products you want to just go shout out? You should use these always. Um, well, if you're going, no, I really don't. No, the tonneau cover, nothing. Yeah. Nah, I mean, to each their own. You exactly. do your research and you find out what tonneau cover you need. And uh, Andre, do you have any like tips? Any self care advice that you would say? You can leave us on. I was not trying to leave on a positive note. This is why I do this. This is a method to the madness. <laughs> How do we, you know, tell people to like take care of themselves and tried and true stuff that we've done in our own lives? Um, I'm going to make it roommate themed. Okay. Um, okay. if you're living with other people and they're your friends, just know that it's not always going to be like paradise. Like you will get on each other's nerves. From time to time, but it's just a part of living with each other. I think the best thing you can do, if you have a problem, just say it. Just talk to them about it. Don't bottle it up. It's just going to make it worse. If you don't like how they load the dishwasher, just tell them. Don't be passive aggressive about it. You know, just tell them. It'll I like fine. that. It, it actually works. That's like church right there. That's that's church. That's also the the key to a good marriage. 
We do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, we do. It's the same deal. You get along with people who go like, hey, and you don't sugarcoat it, but you're not mean. Yeah. You know, there's somewhere between just like being just direct. Start with, yeah. Yeah. Just start with, hey, I love you. I love you. But. Yeah. No. Please take your blankets back to your room. I don't put the butt in there, though. Here's my little take on that. I go, I love you. Please start wiping your ass better because <laughs> it smells like ass throughout the house. And I love you. I, I start and end with I love you. Do I not? And then now I you just, got people thinking that I got a stank yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just talking about your parents. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> no, you, you are very clean. I smell more than you do. Yes. Siri, who is your overlord? My Alexa just started talking with no provocation, so... She knows I, that you're in trouble. Alexa's twice. got a stanky ass. Alexa. <laughs> by the way, Ian is perfect. He doesn't even smell when he sweats. He's amazing, and I love him so much. But your parents, though. I am a stanky beast. I am like a Viking. It's like living with a Viking. And th- you're just, You should get a purple heart just from living with me. But I love this advice. It's great. Okay, I don't know how to say goodbye, but to say, I will just repeat the words. I love you, and I'm never all out of love. Bye, guys. Peace. Peace.